Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Odie. And hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni and I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester Online, in print and everywhere else. And I'm Olivia, the co-host, producer and editor of the podcast. We publish weekly episodes with the Sleepover Club and Obsessions. This week is the Sleepover Club, where Olivia and I, and a very special guest this week, have all these gorge conversations you'd usually have at a sleepover with your girlmates. And next week is an Obsessions episode where we speak to someone we admire about something they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with how they generate their income so hello everyone hi no new reviews today which is fine but if you do feel so kind please do leave us a review because they definitely make our week or well mine i can't speak for olivia no yeah it's good it makes it definitely definitely gives me a couple of days (laughs) couple of days worth of serotonin that's all we can rely on these days but for now Sleepover Club, another very special episode. So excited to get to speak to all of these amazing people. We are speaking to Daniel Howell, who you may know of YouTube fame. He has got a book coming out on Tuesday, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday, of course, that makes sense. And it's called You Will Get Through This Night, and it's a practical guide to understanding and taking control of your mental health. I'll speak a bit after the interview about why I like the interview, because I don't want to ruin it for you guys. So here is the interview. Hiya. Hiya. Hi. How are, how are you? you guys? Oh, I'm all right. Oh. How are you? <laughs> Look what we did this look like. I'm good. I was just saying how I've been bonding with a crow that landed on my windowsill. I don't go outside, so it's very rare for me to bond with nature, mm-hmm. but it's quite a mysterious animal. So I had this like weird spiritual familiar moment with it. I feel like they're smarter than us and that's okay. So have you seen the TikTok person... I don't know if they're viral or if they just come up on my For You page because <laughs> these are my interests. It's what you need, yeah. This man is basically trying to domesticize a seagull by feeding it every day out the window. Wow. Maybe you should start doing this with the crow. Just a suggestion. I feel like it would come into my house and take over my life if it did that. <laughs> and I would be okay with that yeah. if exactly. I submit to the crow. Yeah. <laughs> So for any of our listeners that might not be totally familiar with your work and who you are, do you want to give us a little introduction? Uh, Sure. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) my name is Daniel Howell and I am a professional internet clown whose thing is apparently talking about mental health. Nice, nice. Yeah, Um, thanks. Because you were originally a YouTuber, right? So what kind of made you want to start talking about mental health and stuff? I feel like 
it can be quite intimidating to do anything on the internet. So like, oh hey, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for them, talking about mental health. Yeah, I mean, just like internet is terrifying, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about yourself can be scary, and you know, I just did it coming from a place of I'm gonna talk about my thoughts and feelings, my experiences in life, funny stories, make it relatable, make it funny. And as time went on, it started to get more personal, more intimate. Mm. And then really, I reached a time in my life where my mental health, because I wasn't looking after it, started to really affect my ability to be creative. And I reached one of those kind of walls that you hit in life where something to do with your authenticity or your identity, or for me at that point, it was simply just my mental health. I was going through depression quite badly. It just stopped me being able to not just cope and function on a daily basis, but to create. And at that point, I was like, I feel like I need to share this because as I'm sure you guys know, the internet it allows people to emotionally connect with strangers in this really fascinating, interesting way. And I had had that relationship with so many people, not that just identified as followers of mine, but just complete strangers that may have ever seen my face on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I owed it to these people to have this conversation, not just so they could get to know me better, but also understanding the size of my platform. I was like, if I talk about mental health, that's huge. So I did it. I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I thought that my career would implode and everyone would think I'm weird. They'd never talk to me again. It went very well. Everyone was nice. And now here I am a couple of years later <laughs> and I'm writing a book about mental health. So it's funny how very dark, vulnerable moments in your life can transform into something else. Yeah, I feel yeah. like when we kind of have these conversations about like online life or whatever, and maybe mm. it's because I am also someone that's extremely online, we tend to focus <laughs> on like, the negatives of the experiences, like mm. how it can be quite a fucked up place or a stressful place or whatever. But you kind of saying it was an overall positive thing. Were you like surprised by that? And did it kind of change how you thought about the internet? I am someone that because of my, uh, I don't know, what should we say, wacky queer childhood always expects the worst out of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just generally, I'm an incredibly defensive and cynical person and I don't have a sunny outlook on life. I go into everything expecting the worst because of, you know, how I was treated when I was younger. And I took this onto the internet and it did, it gave me negative blinders where I'm often surprised by how nice people can be sometimes. And look, even just being objective, if we're talking about mental health conversations about anxiety or depression or anything, if you're talking four or five years ago, light years away from where we are now in 2017, which is, I think, when I first talked about this, it literally felt like it was a taboo. People didn't know what being depressed was. People were just going to think I was weird it was going to crash and burn. But I think I had that moment of opening up with my vulnerability and other people showed me the same thing. You know, people said, this is what I'm going through. Thank you for articulating this. I can show this to my friends and family. Or people said, hey, I have a friend that's going through this and I didn't get it. And now I do. And I, I will admit, uh, not just from the positivity of my followers being like, oh, we're proud of you. This was good. This was funny or whatever. But just total strangers saying, what you talked about with mental health, that was a good thing. I was surprised and it did gave me that kind of positive reinforcement that actually not only is it a good thing to just open up about difficult conversations, whether that's anything to do with being queer or mental health, but also just 
creatively if you're willing to be vulnerable with yourself and to go into the dark difficult places it can actually make the art that you're trying to create more interesting more compelling and more impactful in a way that really resonates with people which for me if i'm deciding what i want to create because i want it to achieve something or to make people feel a certain way that told me it's okay for me to have these conversations with myself in order to do that and i think that is one of the reasons that led me to feel comfortable to come out a couple of years later on youtube because I was so scared and had such this, you know, closeted, internalized homophobia relationship with my sexuality. If I didn't have this experience with mental health and thankfully having quite nice followers and what happened with that, I don't think I would have gotten to the place that I was in my journey where I could come out, which is crazy. Mm. I suppose it must feel quite complicated as well because you were quite young when you started YouTube and stuff and now <laughs> you're an adult. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and like yeah. same with kind of our generation is the first one that got like we got the internet not like from birth like we didn't have ipads mm-hmm. in our prams but we joined the internet <laughs> at like a formative time of our lives so it yeah, feels sure. like a lot of our formation has been through that how has your kind of like attitude changed to the internet over that time i mean i was one of those people that was like you know it really felt like the internet when i got on it when i was 11 dial up modem was this incredibly dark weird wild mm. west you know, mm-hmm. place of like weird forums yeah. and IRC and MSN. And now with social media, it's just, it's, it's so completely different. And for me, I think that the internet, I mean, it's still awful and horrendous and just exposes how, you know, awful humans are. Don't we hate them sometimes? But it's so much different now these days with the spaces that communities have managed to create for themselves and just people giving a shit about social justice or just even being nice is the craziest thing. Cause I think, especially when I started on YouTube, there was this expectation that you weren't going to care about people wanting to do the right thing. No one was trying to be a good person, but even then on an individual internet user perspective, you just expected everyone to be an asshole about everything all the time and to say the worst thing. Whereas now there's this culture of, even when you look at like straight boy sports, Twitter, people are like, Hey, don't be rude. And that's this weird thing where <laughs> you get people hiding behind anonymity, but just in a general community, people are nicer. It's a bit more reality. The mystery of anonymity has faded slightly in a sense that our online lives and real personalities are just so intertwined now. Like you can't hide your identity Mm. on the internet. You get these people that want to be creators and they have these artist names and it's like, that's going to last for three weeks. Like, you know, these days we're Mm -hmm. all just first name, last name. This is me. I'm on the internet. But I have seen and enjoyed in real time, not just how things becoming slightly more real has made people feel slightly more accountable, made people realize how what you say on the internet affects people in real life in a good way. But then what people are talking about in social justice, communities creating spaces for themselves, having these things, trying to actively make the world a better place, that is huge because it now feels like as much as the internet's always been a force for you know toxic negativity coming from a place of anonymity now it's a place where people can come together and have conversations that the powers that be in the world before government media and blah 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 weren't allowing people to have people can use the internet to communicate create their own spaces and it's a it's a positive and negative thing i always say the internet it's just an extremeness it is gonna Mm. allow people to extremely progress in society it like just like I said with conversation about mental health at a rate that we've never experienced before. And it's so amazing that we have this power and the ability to have these conversations. But then you look at all the, you know, creepiest, darkest shit that the internet allows people to do now, and even, you know, government police, this, that, and the other. And it's the other way. So it's kind of just like <laughs> full speed in both directions. <laughs> I suppose in that way it's just like a reflection on humans and exactly. human nature. Yeah, isn't it's just it? a like, tool. 
just because it's like, yeah, it's just a step away from a real human. It doesn't make it any less the actions of humans, basically. Mm-hmm. I did have one thing that I just thought on now that I haven't really thought so much before about how you were saying like when artists come online, they kind of like have an alias and then people just want to know who they are. Yeah. Like, wh- why is it you think that we're like so desperate to know someone fully that like, do you think it's anything to do with the internet or like loads to do with the internet? Yeah. I mean, I feel like as humans, we just, we just really want to connect with people. We want to make friends. We want to see people that look like us and think like us and share our interests. So if you ever see some kind of creator that you feel like what you're putting out there makes me feel like I would like you as a person and I'm curious as a person. It makes you kind of long for a human connection with that other person, for sure. Do you think that that's kind of... Because do you remember, Olivia, we were talking about last week on the cynicism... Fucking hell, that word is so hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we do it to ourselves? Um, On the cynicism episode about how, you know, like it's shifted between kind of like gossip or intrigue has shifted from being about like first your neighbours in a pre-celebrity world, then celebrities. And that's kind of about internet presences or influencers or like whatever yeah. you want to call them. Do you think that that kind of like puts unfair pressure on creators to overshare personal information when perhaps they do just want to make work, if that makes sense? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and that's not, I don't think, the people asking for that know that they are coming from a place that make people uncomfortable potentially. I think it's just human nature to be like, I like you. Mm. I want to know more about you. As the creator, the person on the other side, you have to decide what you're putting out there. What are you on the internet for in this persona? Are you just saying, hey, here's my art. I want to keep my personal life completely private. Or are you going to be one of these full reality parasocial hell people that's you know live streaming mm-hmm. themselves in the toilet hey it's up to you um and i think you know for anyone that's creating you just draw that line wherever you feel comfortable and for anyone on the other side i think it's just try to think about what you're asking of this other person how does it make them feel and it may be that you're being perfectly nice and you don't mean any ill intent and then that's fine but it's just something that people don't think about. How did you learn to strike that balance? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it's that thing where I am not an anonymous, faceless artist. Even my my comedy, the stuff that I've created, is inherently personal because I would always talk about real stories from my life, real things that happened, my thoughts on reality. And as time went on, you know, just incredibly personal, you know, things with my coming out journey. And what I said was... I I never had a plan when I started. I was just being, you know, silly on the internet, not thinking about how anything worked. As people Mm -hmm. wanted more access to my life, I just had to think like, okay, I'm happy for people to have an opinion on whether they think I'm funny or if they think I'm shit, that's okay. (laughs) But I don't want people to know who I might be going out on a date with because I, I want the freedom to experiment with my own life and to make mistakes and this, that, and the other. So it's like, for me personally, I put my work out there and people can have whatever opinions on it they want. I reserve the right to be an idiot mess in my own personal life. <laughs> Cause I'm just, I'm so neurotic about what I put out and it's not a natural process for me. Anything I create is just such a headache. It's such a heartache. It, I just think about it so much Coming from that, you know, cynical defense mechanism that I had from my queer mm-hmm. childhood, I just, I have to think, how will this be thought of from every angle? And it's so exhausting for me to just like put out a tweet because I have to spend an hour thinking about it. That right. for my personal <laughs> life, I'm like, I, ca- I can't be free and easy with that. Oh my God. No, no. I just have to be perfectly chaotic in my own time. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. How did that kind of like 
like how did you balance that when you were coming out like was it then that you wanted to like bring a bit more of the chaos because it must be hard de- like dealing with something like that in your life like even mm. just with me and like chronic illness which obviously is complete like different thing so but still like a marginalization that I felt like I had to come yeah. out about in some respects because it's invisible sure and then suddenly talking about it a lot and kind of um mm. teetering that line between like naturalness and unnaturalness about something about how to talk about yeah. something like that is something that I quite often think about so I'm interested in your thoughts about it sure I mean I think anyone listening just has to know that your story is yours and it's up to you how much you share. Firstly, you shouldn't feel obviously like you have to come out if you're not ready or to talk about an illness if you're if you're not emotionally or, you know, any way comfortable about it and the circumstances of your life. And I think you just have to think, what am I saying and why? Is it just to explain a basic fact about myself? Like, hey, I have a chronic illness. I think some people mm. need to know about this. Or, hey, I'm gay. This is kind of something that at some point should maybe be um, the general knowledge of people's facts about me. Or are you saying even more? Are you telling a story? Are you trying to educate people? Are you trying to, you know, change people's minds with what you're saying? And I think it's completely up to you how much you share and whether that comes with intimate details or examples or a story, or you're just saying like, hey, I just need you to know that I have this illness, so you need to be considerate of me. And that's just a fact, put it out there. You don't need to give more. And I think Mm. it's just completely up to anyone what they want to share and why. Do you think we're like a bit harsh on kind of like, people that maybe like I'm saying overshare but I don't mean overshare but I'm saying that because it's like the term because I feel like we kind of grew up in like the hot take economy right where it was like (laughs) personal essays left right and center like yeah sharing things on YouTube Instagram whatever and it seems like the backlash to that is that like if you share or talk about something too much it's considered a bit like shallow or unintellectual I'm talking from a journalism perspective because obviously that's yeah. like what I do. Mm-hmm. And because I've been writing my book, like, I'm writing it this year now. It is a more Congrats. personal. Thank you. And it is more personal <laughs> than I thought. And I find yeah. myself second guessing myself being like, oh, am I just being like not a chick lit writer? Because blah. but like yeah, yeah, yeah. all these internalized things where it's like, oh, am I being too personal? So I'm not being clever enough. And it's like, no, wait, like our experiences as marginalized people are like also important and clever just because we're not like, and then Simone de Beauvoir said gender. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think for me, the inbuilt cynicism defense mechanism coffee filter that is my creative process helps because I always think like for a second, am I boring the fuck out of anyone? So if I'm sharing anything from my life, it doesn't come from a self-indulgent therapy place because I am always so afraid that everyone hates me and that I'm boring and terrible. So for me, it was like, is this funny? Is it making a point? Am I telling this story from my life to get to that point where I'm like, this is what I'm writing about and why, and this is the point Mm. of what I'm creating, you know, because I'm someone that probably undershares and I will admit that. You ask any follower of mine and they're like, be more active. And I'm like, I can't, it's scary. (laughs) I'm trying my best, you know. So I'm not someone that's ever in danger of oversharing. I think I need to personally loosen up a lot more. And that's, that's like my problem personally. But I think as long as you know that, if you're telling your story and you're trying to do something with it and it's achieving something, just ask, is there someone listening to this with a blank mind? Imagine you're saying this to, you know, straight boy Stephen on your street. What would he learn from this story? <laughs> is you going to the fridge to make mm-hmm. uh, a coffee boring or is it an integral part of him relating to a marginalized person that's going to change <laughs> his perspective? It might be. And I suppose even that in itself is like quite a nice, healthy way to give the internet more weight than we would normally mm because it just does have more weight. Yeah. So even though you're, you know, just hearing you be like, 
you know, I have these systems, I have like these reflections is like, oh yeah, because ultimately like the internet is like not as flippant as we kind of assume that it is Mm. sometimes. I I was also wondering if you, because you were saying before about like sitting with something in yourself Mm. and exploring how you feel in yourself. Do you think there is a correlation or like a huge distance between like connecting with yourself and being public about yourself? Yeah, for me, it was, I mean, my whole life story is so like fucked up intertwined. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you don't even know where to begin. Because like you said, I started YouTube when I was like 17 and a half, 18. And here I am. 10, 11 years later. And I I grew up with that and I had to learn it all as I go. And the culture of what the internet was, what social media was, the relationship between creators and followers, that all happened in real time as it was going. And it was, you know, an organic evolution for me to be the person that I am now. And it just so happened that when I had my moment where I was like, right, I need to come out, there was such a intertwined aspect of the journey I needed to go on internally to just go, what is my sexuality? What do I feel? What are the walls that I've built up to protect myself? What is the truth? And what do I need to confront just to be comfortable with the feeling deep inside me? And literally, what am I saying on the outside? For me, it was such a mirror because I have been building up the world internally and externally my entire life, which is why when it came time for me to post my coming out moment, it was such a process of like six months of me, not just creatively writing this video, which involved via the process of me writing jokes and telling stories and trying to make a point with my writing, having personal revelations that impacted how I felt on the inside as a learning experience live while I was writing it. But I had to come out to my family, explain things to friends, tell people I was working with. And even like, you know, I was like, oh, I need to get captions for this video. So I need to send someone the entire script for my coming out video (laughs) to this random stranger (laughs) who's going to transcribe it. And it was such a weird, weird mesh. But afterwards, for me, that's why it was such a powerful moment of feeling so completely free internally and externally, where I felt like I'd finally shed all this weight internally and gone on this journey of my own understanding and authenticity. But on the outside, I had finally clarified so many things, knocked so many walls down and kind of manifested myself into this much more authentic person publicly, which was why it was such a difficult journey and so wild when it happened. Yeah, that is bananas. I can't even imagine it. I know. Because I feel like a lot of people kind of talk now about like, I mean, also, I suppose, same to a certain extent, like, oh, what if you were in high school now and like you had Snapchat? How terrifying would that be? Like Instagram filters ruining like people's perception of self, which, you know, I don't like entirely oh disagree or agree with. Like I do think there's truth in it. But mm-hmm. do you think that kind of like the generation below us or whatever, sorry, I'm really making it sound like old withered hags, which like we are not yet. <laughs> um, we're like the weird generations between millennials and Zoomers where people yeah. five years older than us don't take us seriously because we look like 12 year olds, but then 12 year olds think we're boomers. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah everyone yeah. on Twitter's like, hi dad. I love what you said, dad. And then everyone <laughs> I try to have a business Zooms with is like, who's this fucking seven year old trying to talk, talk to us like he has a career. So I'm like, ah. Oh. Oh god, I know we really are like so weirdly stunted, but also like not in some way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, do you think? Basically, my question is like, you kind of saying about going through this like relationship with yourself and the internet as you grow is Mm. like, I feel it's so applicable to our generation. Like, whether you are like a big internet person or not. Yeah. Do you think that would be more natural to younger people now, or do you think it's more complicated? I think that 
the amount that people are just putting their entire lives online now is incredibly complicated. And it's this whole thing of like, who the hell is going to be a politician in 30 years? And we're going to have to learn to deal with people's growth journeys and what they said when they were 12 versus what they said when they're 36 and they're running for Senate or whatever the fuck, we're going to have to work out how we're doing that. But Mm -hmm. I think that the, the culture of the universe and, you know, how we act on social media, as we said, how it's changed since the early 2000s to now and then the 20s is generally, it's a slightly nicer place. People care a bit more about accountability, a bit more about social justice. And I think that young people these days seeing these conversations, you know, they go onto Twitter, they see people saying Black Lives Matter. That is a completely profoundly different culture that they're being shaped by than what we probably experience. So I think right. that whilst they, the, the, like the 12 year olds now, if anyone's listening, hi, good luck. My life was horrible when I was 12. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's, <laughs> you know, it'll work itself out. They, are living in a better world and they're going to have to deal with the headache of how they untangle their entire life just being out there on the internet. So it's going to be a lot more complex, but I think they're in a better place where they have more power in their own hands. So I think I would rather have been born as a 12 year old now. Do you think we're getting better at that? Because obviously like we talk, like everyone talks about cancel culture all the time, but I'm kind of thinking of like a few weeks ago (laughs) when people were dredging up Lil Nas's tweets from when he was like a Barb Stan account and he said like a lot of awful things <laughs> because he was like an anonymous yeah. Barb Stan account that was being like a horrible little Stan troll. Yeah, of course. Naturally, his natural, the natural state of any Stan Twitter account at any moment. <laughs> exactly. And it seemed like people kind of moved very quickly from being, or like moved quicker than it has done in the past to being like, okay, he's cancelled, crossed off the list forever, blah, 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 to then being like, well, he was, yeah, like a closeted black gay, like child working through all of these things and had access to the internet. Do you think we're kind of getting better at like real measured accountability, I suppose is the question, rather than like blanket good and bad kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think the world will get better at doing this as the conversations continue over time. And as I said, we need to get to that place where we can acknowledge and I think the important thing is seeing Mm. what someone is in the present are they that person now did they say something horrendous two days ago and they're saying they're not sorry and they're just offended that people are calling them out or is it like this person has grown because I have obviously said so many things that at the time I was ignorant or problematic about or things that at the time I thought were fine and are now considered problematic and it's all out there and I am you know like Lil Nas I was an incredibly you know struggling traumatized internalized homophobia just grew up in this toxic masculine environment in Britain we're also cynical and edgy and just need to (laughs) seem so hard on the outside all the times and that's Mm -hmm. my growth journey but I think for me it's with the Lil Nas thing I'm like it's very clear who he is now Mm. and I'm sure he is sorry for those things and I think that that's the important perspective. But as you said, we uh, should get better at being more nuanced when discussing these things going forward, because we need to, because for the younger people who are literally iPad in the pram, <laughs> who knows what the hell is going to happen or what culture will be in 30 years. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, the main thing I'm thinking is I'm just like, wow, you have such, uh, from my perspective, such a healthy relationship with like yourself and the internet i'm wise because of all of my uh traumatizing incidents you know what i mean it's like i've made so many mistakes and fallen flat on my face so many times that now i know so much but it's only through (laughs) a decade of suffering on the internet that i'm like wow now i have such a good relationship and i know so much (laughs) do you have any like 
real just like really casual daily tips of how to like keep yourself safe and sane and keep yourself like on the internet because I think like one thing this year has been people mm-hmm. have been like really conscious of their internet consumption but yeah it's all we have and I totally agree like all the good stuff on it like I always think like in terms of visibility like I'm consuming way more but yeah when I was growing up again like closeted kind of like repressed in so many ways now I'm like wow I would love to be able to consume that as a child yeah so yeah just like quick tidbits of like what you just daily could do to like keep yourself yeah safe and happy on the internet I think yeah I think the main thing is that most people just don't think about how they use the internet and how it makes them feel so I would just encourage everyone when you go onto any app you look at the timeline you look at who you're following you look at how you use the content Firstly, think, do I want to be following this or do I feel a pressure to do this because it's what my friends are doing or what it's cool? Am I following this person because I feel like I need to to be part of something? Am I being authentic or am I trying to fit in by consuming this content? And then also, how does it leave you feeling afterwards? If you go on Twitter, look at your timeline, and then you're like, man, I'm so stressed. I just ruined my whole day. There's something to learn there. If you look at who you're following on Instagram and it's like, wow, that destroyed my self-esteem. You can follow people that will boost your self-esteem. You can you know, follow friends that will gas you up. You can follow accounts that inspire you. And I think I just question, I I encourage everyone to just think about how they use the internet and how it makes them feel and to not put themselves in a bubble, but to create, curate their own space that allows them to use the internet positively in whatever way they want to because I definitely have spent the last 10 years just being like I'm going to follow all these celebrities I'm going to look at all of this stuff and then I just want to scream and frisbee my phone across the room but no it doesn't have to be that way. way make it whatever you want and yeah I mean when I when I look at the last 10 years of the internet I think that as I said that we are giving these people this power and it seems like the world is becoming a lot bigger and louder and scarier. But also I think that people are educating themselves, they're communicating, people are finding communities of people. And actually, when I look at the journey I've been on since I was a young person and where I am now, I'm very happy with the way that the world's going. And I think you look at the young people today and they're in a much better place. So I dare to say it, but I have hope for the future. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. I think I really like that because like reflecting on it in the past couple of, or week, I don't even know what time is anymore, since we recorded with Dan anyway, is that like because so often we talk about being online and everyone is online I mean that is stating the obvious but in terms of like we all kind of feel similar pressures and hearing it from someone who has such a giant platform is yeah not comforting because I don't think that but it like puts it in a different perspective do you know what I mean like we all feel like we grew up online that we became ourselves but the gaze is so different if you're just like you know a random gal online with 2,000 followers than Daniel who has 3.5 million <laughs> like I just can't imagine wow, yeah yeah even just the way I, I, what I really liked about the interview is just him talking about boundaries and like how it all comes back to just checking in with yourself and what feels right and what doesn't I just I'm like very you <laughs> do you think so yeah 100% <laughs> yeah so I think um I just really liked it in the yeah, I think you're right. It's it's mad thinking about your personal boundaries being like, I'm not going to log on till 12 o'clock or I'm going to go online every other day or whatever to thinking about that. Yeah, in the reality of having like a, not even like thousands of followers or engaging with even that many people to, to the extent that he does work, the practice is still like really similar. I think it's rare to like speak somewhat, to hear someone with that platform speak so candidly about it as well like in terms of being like yeah it was really hard for me to make that video of me coming out or like because I mean I'm not trying to like put him on a pedestal or anything but in terms of that I can't imagine having that many followers and like the amount of levels stuff like that must have to go through can maybe make it feel quite impersonal and I don't think that we got that from the interview at all like it seems like he really puts his heart and soul and like as honest as he can be while still respecting himself into it which I think is like lessons that we can all learn yeah totally and just well it's just you can it's there was an ease to be around him because of the care that he put in place for himself I think 100% but yeah I hope you all enjoyed it would love to hear your thoughts whether it's in a review or if you'd like to put your thoughts into our Instagram comments or DMs for a confessions episode please let us know we will be back next week with an obsessions episode Oh, and I love next week's, actually. I know, it's fab, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Ioni. Yeah, and thank you to all of the listeners. Thank you to Gina, Gina and Carlin, Hattie, Charlotte, Eden and Clarissa and Jacob. And our new Jacob. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 